Welcome to the Plant Spirit Podcast on connecting with plant consciousness and the healing wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Sarah Artemisia, and I am deeply honored to introduce our next guest to the show today. Dan Wapipa is from the Anishinaabe, Kickapoo, and Sac and Fox tribes. He grew up with his community's cultural ways and has been politically active with the American Indian movement and spiritually active through tribal ceremonies. Dan started the Rogue Valley Powwow, American Indian Cultural Center, and Red Earth Descendants. And he's also a board member of Natives of One Wind Indigenous Alliance, Rogue Climate, and Pipeline Fighters. As a part of his tradition, Dan is a drum keeper and drum chief, and he works with traditional ecological knowledge and permaculture. And his life's work is focused on the preservation of this earth for future generations. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's absolutely amazing to have you on the show. Your work in the world is so powerful, and I'm so grateful for your presence and and your work in the world. And one of the things that I know you work very deeply with is with is with native permaculture, and particularly with decolonizing permaculture. And so I'd love to just start there, and particularly recognizing that. We are moving through such a huge transition on the planet and the ways of being that I don't wouldn't even say that they actually worked, but the ways of being that, ha- that we have been moving in planetarily, particularly in the Western society for the past, you know, hundreds, thousands of years is really not going to serve or work at all moving forward. And so I'd love to hear in your experience, in your work, really, what are the tools that can help us move into this transition uh, as gracefully and in alignment as as possible with the planet, with the earth, and with the plants? Well, uh, uh, I think uh, the first thing that needs to happen is uh, decolonization. And uh, uh, a lot of people have different ideas of what colonization and decolonization is. So, Colonization uh, basically is uh, a colonialization is the act of a, a foreign power moving into uh, and colonizing a, a different uh, country. Uh, colonization is what happens in your mind uh, after that has happened. So uh, uh, my people have been colonized for 500 plus years, but uh, Europeans have been colonized for thousands of years. They're so wet with the water of colonization, they, they don't even know they're wet. So it's a, a simple fact of uh, 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 recognizing that the colonization is what put us in this dire straits that we are in, and that in order to get out of these dire straits, we need to uh, figure out uh, mother systems, uh, 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 how we can base our societies off of her systems. Uh, uh, Susan Samard uh, has a, the wood wide web. Uh, that is an example of how we ran our, our societies uh, in a cooperative uh, 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 s- uh, sense. So, yeah, um, we uh, 
that the decolonization uh, uh, factor of it, uh, what it does is it does uh, two things primarily. It gives you uh, uh, an over-endowed sense of uh, cognitive dissonance while robbing you of critical thought, allowing you to think that the things that are unacceptable are okay, like 60 years of arable soil left, uh, like fossil fuel burnings, uh, like overconsumption, uh, stealing uh, our future generation's uh, resources, uh, things like this that uh, we should be uh, uh, thinking of instead of uh, consuming, thinking of how can we preserve life for the seventh generation from now ahead of us. So important. So important. What in your experience are some tools that can really, some practical tools, spiritually connected tools that we can use to really help us come back into this way of right relationship into this way of really working with the mother systems well, I, uh, I, I guess a, a lot of what we uh, do uh, is pray. Uh, so when we pray, pray we do something. Here, here's a good example. Like uh, in, in the Bible, uh, I think Jesus says, pray for your enemies. You know, of course, we have the same saying. You know, many cultures do. But what happens when you do that is you open up a conduit uh, between yourself, the universe, all that is. Uh, that person who you're praying for, like say my sister, who might have the flu. Uh, uh, and the earth, uh, and to me, where because uh, I get all my energy from the earth. So it goes from myself to the universe, to my sister, to the earth, to me. You know, a circle like that. That's a conduit. Uh, and so when uh, uh, I pray for my sister, uh, I might get the flu. I might break a leg. Uh, I might uh, get injured somehow because uh, 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 the law of the natural law sees uh, um, all good uh, deeds have a price and that's natural law, you know? So when you pray for somebody, that's a good deed uh, that might come back at you. So we use tobacco uh, because there was a little boy who sacrificed himself and that little boy who sacrificed himself uh, uh, was full of potential and he had sacrificed himself and uh, uh, he became that first plant named tobacco. And so there's a sacrifice in the tobacco. So if I pray for my sister, uh, I'm opening up that conduit and that sacrifice of the tobacco allows that uh, reciprocity to not affect me in a negative way. So uh, when we pray, uh, we are getting away from our selfish nature. Uh, we are putting ourselves out toward others, towards our community, towards our elder relatives, uh, toward our future generations. Uh, this is a process of decolonization. And so when you uh, also drop uh, um, tools of decolonization, uh, media, military, uh, sports, fashion, uh, 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 all these things that, that colonize you uh, uh, and, and start focusing on plants and start focusing on family, start focusing on community. That's a decolonized mind right there. So when we are able to uh, uh, focus for, toward health and uh, stop uh, uh, consuming what is meant to be consumed, then we are in the process of decolonizing because all of that out there, this society, all the society has to go away in order for us to have the good life with the giveaway mentality, the giveaway society with a food economy, uh, uh, li living uh, with a good mind, uh, re decolonizing, naturalizing uh, to the places, our biospheres that, that we live in uh, and uh, re-indigenizing. And so that's a, a big, huge piece of what I'm trying to do with permaculture is because I come from a traditional ecological knowledge uh, uh, background. 
Uh, so what I'm trying to do with permaculture, I got my PDC, and I'm trying to reacculturate permaculture to the biospheres that they do their work in. And who has been taking care of those biospheres is the indigenous people that have been taking care of those biospheres that with place knowledge of thousand generations that can combat climate change, global warming. So that's uh, that's kind of what I'm what my big thing is. Uh, the Permaculture Institute of North America should be Permaculture Institute of Turtle Island, you know, because the language is all a part of colonization as well. I totally feel that. I, could you tell us more about your work with decolonizing permaculture? I'd love to hear more about that. Your work with native permaculture and particularly there's this dynamic element that I feel with your work where it it brings it brings the depth of relationship into permaculture and and particularly with what native people have always known is how to be in right relationship, how to create food forests and gardens that are seamlessly integrated into the web of life here. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what, what are some current projects you're doing with, with your work? And also how is it possible for folks who have had a more traditional permaculture education to start deepening in that relationship with the consciousness of the lands that they're working with and the plants and uh, the place, the bioregion that they're working with? Permaculture uh, um, has been uh, operating uh, autonomously uh, from uh, its uh, the, the land's original inhabitants uh, since it got here, uh, and many uh, permaculture places have checked in with uh, the local tribes. So, because that's part of the uh, 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 the people care uh, element of uh, permaculture um, is uh, to uh, honor, you know. So, um, the work I'm doing with permaculture is uh, uh, I taught uh, last year in North Carolina. A permaculture foundations course uh, co-taught with uh, Megan Tobin and uh, uh, the results from the students uh, reviews uh, was so positive that uh, one of her funders uh, wants to put it together a conversion so he's going to play for pay for hotels and plane fares uh, to get to all these uh, tech traditional ecological knowledge people and permaculture people to a convergence so that we can uh, start a, a process of uh, 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 a, a way uh, that uh, permaculture practitioners uh, uh, can work with the tribes in their local areas. Uh, because culture, you know, we as Native people uh, were handed down one medicine bundle. And that single medicine bundle reflects differently from the land it, it's from. Uh, uh, mountain uh, tribes are different from desert tribes, which are different from uh, river tribes, different from woodland tribes, different from prairie tribes, etc. Uh, and so, uh, uh, the permaculture people need to develop their own culture and culture comes from the land. And what's the best way to develop that culture is to get in cahoots with those who have been uh, uh, taking care of that land. And that means naturalizing to the land. That means learning the stories of like around here, uh, coyote, uh, acorn woman, you know, uh, beaver, you know, and back in my area, uh, how the bear's tail got short, how uh, maple syrup went from syrup to sap, uh, how the loon got so flat, uh, how loon got red eyes, all these things that connect us. Uh, uh, so we had clan systems as well that connected us with uh, uh, our elder relatives. So all, all these things uh, can come back into being, you know, and the new um, era that we're stepping into. Uh, uh, but before we step into this new era, we're going to have to learn some very, very hard lessons uh, about decolonizing. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. It's best that we work on our systems now 
rather than ad hoc in situ after everything hits the fan. Yeah. So I totally feel that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I something else you just were talking about really resonated with the storytelling and of course yeah the, cult, the culture comes from the land and and who is it that has known what the what the culture of this land is is the native people that have been living here for thousands and thousands of years and so I love that you're doing that that work um actually before I before I ask this next thing I am curious is that convergence the the tech the traditional ecological knowledge convergence is that already in the works like it does that already have a, a launch date or a date that, that'll be going live or is it still in the initial planning stages uh it is definitely in the initial planning stages uh, but we're looking at uh, uh end of may beginning of june probably the beginning of june amazing in in 2022 yes Amazing. I would love to hear more about that as that goes on and, and share that with everyone who's listening here, because that is good. like, that is so key. That's such a, a such a key bridge to helping us uh, move from the, this um, colonized patriarchal, you know, crumbling systems that are currently happening into this next era on the planet. That's such a key, key bridge, what you're doing there. And I would love to hear more about that as that evolves. The other thing that's coming up, though, as you're sharing all this is about storytelling and the power of storytelling. And I'm curious if there's any stories that come to mind for you right now or that um, feel in resonance to share either about this time, because storytelling and particularly with my understanding of the native way of storytelling is it's very, it's very multi-layered, you know, about learning different moral codes or even lessons or prophecies for the future of like how to navigate through certain types of situations. And I'm curious, is there any, particularly with right now being the winter time, it's like, you know, as long as humanity has existed on this planet, this has traditionally been a time all over the earth where people have shared stories. Are there any stories coming to mind for you right now about the time that we're in and some lessons or some ways that we can gracefully navigate through this chapter on the planet that you'd like to share? Well, I, I think uh, that uh, we're in a, a crossroads of prophecy. Um, uh, Blue star Kachina has fallen to the earth. Uh, trees are dying from the top down. Rivers are catching on fire. Uh, massive fish kills. Uh, uh, the people are eating their children. That means consuming the resources. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely in, in the crossroads of prophecy. And uh, I guess uh, uh, the, what, what really we have to reattune to is the spiritual nature, the 50% spiritual nature uh, that we've been entrained out of so that we can be harvested. Uh, so that we have to uh, readopt the spiritual nature of what is out there uh, so that we can become one with it. So we have to... Uh, shed what we've been uh, taught and uh, to re-embrace spirituality and uh, to, uh, because that's uh, uh, changes us. That helps us to become uh, like a household instead of become a, a consumer, a household can become a producer, you know, so can we as well, you know, like a, a biodiversity begets biodiversity, but cultural di biodiversity uh, allows you to play 3d chess because now you're thinking of a whole completely through a whole different lens, through a whole different perspective. So learning these cultures is, is imperative. Uh, and us sharing cultures is, is very important. 
we have a song in our ceremonies that says life, 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 you know, and that's what our ceremonies are about. Uh, the sacred pipe, that's a man and a woman coming together. The sweat lodge, that's the womb of the mother, the stones of the sperm coming in. This is life. This is sacred, uh, sacred union. Yeah, I love that. What you're just sharing that. I mean, that song is so powerful. Life, 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 and really living viscerally, having that direct connection again. So, so important. I know one of the other things that you are so connected to is this aspect of how when we come back into balance with our elder relatives, which in your words, so eloquently is the rest of the universe, we achieve inner peace and a feeling of connection. I love that this is such a deep part of your work. And I'm curious if you could just share a little bit about that. Like what, what does it really mean to come back into balance with our elder relatives? And do you have any suggestions for folks listening about maybe even just some really practical grounded things we can do to really come back into balance? Um. Yeah, so uh, your name, Artemisia, is a mugwort. Um, and uh, I've sat uh, with mugwort uh, for periods of time, just getting to know it. And uh, I had a reciprocal relationship uh, with mugwort. And uh, like uh, I, I would offer tobacco uh, to mugwort to uh, uh, thank it for its life, for its medicine that it's given me for um, helping me and uh, clear my mind and, and uh, uh, chase away uh, bad spirits. And so uh, <clears throat> that uh, relationship is uh, uh, imperative for us to, to have with our elder relatives because uh, uh, our, our brains didn't get so big just because we talk amongst ourselves, uh, the social nature of our brains getting big. Our brains got big because of our relationship with the elder relatives out there. That's how it got so big and how to do life. You know, we have uh, like a, a woman was asked, uh, a, mad, a native woman was asked, imagine yourself alone in the woods. And she couldn't do it uh, because that's where her family is. That's where her life comes from. Uh, and so they uh, uh, put her or they said that she lacked a, a second level uh, capability of thought. So, <clears throat> but it was them who lacked the second level capability of thought, you know, so uh, yeah, we have to uh, um, uh, come back in, in right relationship uh, uh, with uh, our plants. Uh, and I'm going to tell the story of tobacco because that's how uh, I and my people have, were taught to uh, offer. Uh, so <clears throat> there was this little boy. He was born in the time uh, of uh, great uh, strife, great suffering. Uh, the people had lost their way. And uh, there was a pestilence and there was drought and there was disease. Uh, there was warfare. And so uh, the tribe called all the bands together and uh, for a grand council to see what they could do about this uh, strife uh, this, uh, uh, that they were going through. And uh, uh, during this time uh, of this strife, there was a boy who lived. His name was Asema. And Asema had special powers uh, here uh, where his flowers grew around his lodge all the time. And when you talk to him, uh, you received a healing. So they knew that Asema was going to be a, a great medicine person, a great leader, a great singer, a great storyteller or something. And so uh, uh, during this council, uh, they uh, invited all the tribes and all the bands in, I mean, uh, to come and, and see what they could do about uh, this hard times they were going through. 
And they were coming up with no answers. And so in the middle of this uh, council, uh, in walks a SEMA. Now, normally in council, a little boy would not be able to be allowed to speak. But recognizing the medicine that a SEMA carried, uh, they allowed him to speak. And he told them, he says, I had a vision. He says, in my vision, uh, you're going to take me and you're going to tie me to a stake and you're going to burn me. Uh, and uh, uh, that's what the vision said. And then the tribe said, no, Asema, you're going to be, we're going to need you after we're, we're, we're through with this. You're going to be a great leader. We're going to be a great healer, a great singer, uh, uh, something, you know. And so uh, they denied his vision. And then a year went by and uh, half the tribe had died. And again, they called in a great council. And again, walks us in a Sema. He says, I tell you truly, the spirits say this, that you must take me to the stake and you must burn me. And uh, so with a great reluctance and a great suffering of everyone, uh, they took a Sema and they tied him to a stake and they burnt him with the instructions to come back the following year. And then the ashes of a Sema was the first tobacco plant. So in this uh, tobacco plant is a sacrifice of a Sema, that prayer conduit I was telling you about earlier. But also uh, in uh, the, uh, the most performed experiment in the world is a quantum uh, physics experiment. It's called the double slit experiment. Um, so they, uh, uh, they realize that uh, uh, through this experiment that uh, a photon can be both a particle and a wave. Okay. But now what they're uh, figuring out is before it's a photon, a particle or a wave, uh, before it's a photon, it's potential, it's pure potential. And that's what Asema was, it's pure potential. And so in that tobacco is power of pure potential and the sacrifice that Asema made. So that's why we use tobacco. And so I suggest that people use this tobacco and grow your own. Don't support the systems that, that oppress us. Uh, grow your own tobacco uh, and develop a relationship with that tobacco and sit down with that tobacco and speak with that tobacco and talk with that tobacco and get to know that tobacco because that tobacco is a very, very powerful spirit. Uh, and, and that tobacco wants to help you. So uh, we pray to the spirit of this tobacco and we get to know it and we tell it about ourselves, who we are, you know, and, and that way we have a relationship with this tobacco and that's called the right relationship. Amazing. Well, Dan, thank you so much for sharing that. So powerful. and such wide reaching implications of that story to every aspect of life. Like how, how is it possible to be in, in right relationship with, with tobacco, with the sacred plant spirit, with every element of life. So yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom and you're so humble and so wise and I'm so grateful for your presence here. So thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. And you can find out more about Dan's upcoming work at the eco Institute at eco institute.org and at the red earth descendants at red earth descendants.org. And thanks so much for listening and joining us today on the plant spirit podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and please follow to subscribe, leave a review and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.